lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Thank you for tuning in here today, live and on demand on Blaze TV radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace. He's Todd Erzin. He is Aaron McIntyre. And you are you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox, which you can access by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com, D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. You can also go to places, and we would prefer that you do, that don't try to censor us, at least not currently anyway. Look for me on MeWe Parlor and Gab at Steve Dace Show on Getter. You can also get clips of the show that you can watch for free that are free of censorship at rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. Coming up on today's show, we're pretty full as we normally are for a Tuesday at the bottom of the hour. Tennessee congressional candidate Robbie Starbuck will be joining us. We will also get into fake news or not. We're going to look at Trafalgar Group has now come out with its first in-depth poll of the 2022 midterm elections, both of what the what the electorate prefers and then the issues that it prioritizes. We're going to look at this data and then you guys are going to decide, do you think this data is fake news or not? Or maybe you think the people answering these questions could be fake news or not. So we'll get into that next hour. And then we will close it out with Pop Culture Tuesday. We'll take a look back at Super Bowl 56. Any of the storylines coming out of that culturally? I got an email from somebody who attended the game. And so what it was like with security, with you know, vax with jab passes and because there aren't anybody vaccinated or there is anybody vaccinated uh, jab passes and masks and things of that nature. So I thought it might be interesting to share kind of their experience from having been there and what it was like. So we'll get into that and so much more. But first, we must begin, as we always do, with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by going full Fidel. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau yesterday invoked a never-before-used measure in Canada called the Emergencies Act. The act was formerly known as the War Measures Act in order to quell the remaining protesting truckers at various locations across the country. I want to be very clear. The scope of these measures will be time-limited, geographically targeted, as well as reasonable and proportionate to the threats they are meant to address. In addition, this government spook announced an expansion to the Terrorist Financing Act to include crowdfunding websites for the truckers, and you'll have your possessions seized with no due process. This is about following the money. This is about stopping the financing of these illegal blockades. We are today serving notice. If your truck is being used in these illegal blockades, your corporate accounts will be frozen. The insurance on your vehicle will be suspended. Send your semi-trailers home. The Canadian economy needs them to be doing legitimate work. Anyway, here's how the protesters responded. Well, guys, it's getting worse down here. Somebody bought Connect 4. This is big time. We need help. Help! <laughs> Look at you, Justin. Look what you did to your country. You brought us all back together, you f***ing idiot. Freedom! 
Premiers of four Canadian provinces yesterday came out in disagreement with Trudeau using the Emergencies Act. The province of Ontario announced yesterday they're dropping many COVID restrictions early, including vaccine passports in the coming days. CNN, your thoughts? This started off as an anti-vaccine protest and it was anti-mandate. Now it's sort of generically anti-government, all wrapped in this sort of notion or the guise of freedom, you know, whatever that means to these individuals. In New Zealand, police have been brutalizing protesters against mandates in recent days. Prime Minister Cheshire Cat had this to say. So, uh, you know, actually, I really question the motivation of, of what I see down there. So my so message in f- Steve Mitty would be Prime actually Minister. How do you fix it? Oh, how, how do you fix the issue of misinformation and disinformation? This no, I mean, how do you, issue, fi- how do you that fix the, that? How do you fix the anger? How do you fix the, those messages of, of violence and against that's, people? Maddie, and that's, and that's actually, it does come back to misinformation. For quite some time now, I've obviously been confronted by protests. And what has stood out to me is that fact that so many are there based on on things that simply aren't true. Back at home, a new civics 50 state poll of Joe Biden's approval rating finds only four states where President Dementia isn't underwater. Hawaii, Maryland, Massachusetts and Vermont, with the latter most having the highest approval rating at 50 percent. Learning Chinese today, today's raise is 81 million people definitely voted for Joe Biden. In Congress, Representative Chip Roy of Texas announced yesterday only seven senators have agreed to sign a letter co-written with Senator Mike Lee pledging not to fund a government with vaccine mandates. 43 Republican senators have chosen to continue funding the government with vaccine mandates. Those senators are John Barrasso of Wyoming, Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee, Roy Blunt of Missouri, John Boozman of Arkansas, Richard Burr of North Carolina, Shelley Capito of West Virginia, Bill Cassidy of Louisiana, Susan Collins of Maine, John Cornyn of Texas, Tom Cotton of Arkansas, Kevin Kramer of North Dakota, Mike Crapo of Idaho, Steve Daines of Montana, Joni Ernst of Iowa, Deb Fisher of Nebraska, Lindsey Graham of South Carolina, Chuck Grassley of Iowa, Bill Haggerty of Tennessee, Josh Hawley of Missouri, John Hoven of North Dakota, Cindy Hyde-Smith of Mississippi, James Inhofe of Oklahoma, John Kennedy of Louisiana, James Langford of Oklahoma, Mitch McConnell of Kentucky, Jerry Moran of Kansas, Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, Rob Portman of Ohio, James Risch of Idaho, Mitt Romney of Utah, Mike Rounds of South Dakota, Marco Rubio of Florida, Ben Sass of Nebraska, Rick Scott of Florida, Tim Scott of South Carolina, Richard Shelby of Alabama, Dan Sullivan of Alaska, John Toon of South Dakota, Tom Tillis of North Carolina, Patrick Toomey of Pennsylvania, Tommy Tuberville of Alabama, Roger Ricker of Mississippi, and Todd Young of Indiana. In completely unrelated news, a couple of recent forensic autopsies in Michigan and Connecticut found fatal cardiomyopathy was to blame for the death of two adolescent males shortly after the administration of the second Pfizer mRNA vaccine. The data was published in the College of American Pathologists journal. And finally, this, a new peer-reviewed study from the scientific journal Plus One found that after the city of Seattle imposed a tax on sweetened beverages in an effort to curb harmful effects of sugar like type 2 diabetes a few years ago, the sale of beer and other alcoholic beverages rose by 5% citywide in the two years after instituting the tax. But let those people run your lives. And that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's montage today brought to you by my glasses, or at least the company that made them over at Better Spectacles. And they made them with German-engineered, 144-year-old 
A-plus rated company, Rodenstock Eyewear. The frames that even Ronald Reagan himself wore, available now for mass distribution for the first time here in the United States, including for problematic prescriptions like mine, a little bit far and a little bit near. That might be you, uh, or you might just have a plain old uh, reason that you need glasses. Whichever the case may be, uh, you can now get these uh, German engineer eyewear frames for your prescription when you go to our friends at betterspectacles.com slash Steve. Uh, They'll give you 61% off as an introductory offer, plus free handcrafted rodent stock frames. Just go through an appointment with one of their best in the nation trained opticians when you go to betterspectacles.com slash Steve. All right, coming up today in the overtime, we're getting more into Justin Trudeau. We have a poll going on right now on my Twitter feed at Steve Day Show. Straight up. Who do you think is a bigger threat to your way of life? Justin Trudeau or Vladimir Putin? And so we will have those final polling results. That poll is going to expire here in about two hours. And then we will discuss them uh, in the overtime today at blazetv.com slash dace. I I get an email every day from someone and maybe I'm missing something. Am I missing something? I, I, I don't know how to get access to the overtime. It's at blazetv.com slash days. That's how I get the link to it every single day. I think, again, it's not live. We don't have an available live feed. That's why you don't get a third hour. There's other shows that air right after we're done at 1 o'clock Eastern. And so we stick around and record it for you and then upload it later, available for download that you can then watch on demand at blazetv.com slash days. And that is also where you can go to become a subscriber today uh, for just 10 bucks a month at blazetv.com slash dace. So let's, since we're going to talk more about Trudeau in the overtime, let's skip down to something I I have just never seen. And I realize now that it is 2021, this is now my third decade. So I started working full-time in politics in 2006. So I'm, I'm now heading into my third decade of work in politics. I have studied a lot of polls, a lot of polls. I've helped conduct polls. I've written polling questions. I have never seen anything, however, like what is happening on a state-by-state level with Joe Biden's approval. I've, I've never seen anything like it. First of all, if you're thinking about forced secession or national divorce. What were those states? Massachusetts, Delaware, Hawaii, Hawaii, Vermont, Vermont. And it was a Maryland. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Oh no, he's actually underwater in Delaware, his home state. It's it's four, right? There's five. It's five. So it is five. So it was them. All right. So Delaware, Massachusetts, um, Hawaii, um, Vermont, Vermont, and Maryland were the five. All right. I believe so. Obviously, for, for tourism reasons, you want to hold on to Hawaii. Okay. But those other four, if we we're going to start like soccer levels of relegation here, aren't those the four you kind of start with? Those right there. I misspoke. It is four. Delaware is, four. is underwater. So he is underwater in his home state of Delaware. I thought that he was. All right. So it's only, so we, we start with those three, which means Daniel Horowitz will need to find a new place to live. All right. So Maryland, and he should have probably done that anyway. Uh, Maryland, gone. Massachusetts, gone. And Vermont, gone. How about the fact that the state where the current president has his highest approval rating 
is the state that has sent an, an avowed Soviet to the Senate for decades now in Bernie Sanders. I, I have just never seen anything like that. He's underwater in California and New York. Let me repeat that. He is underwater in California and New York, where Governor Karen, by the way, there in New York State, issued a new emergency proclamation yesterday. A new one just yesterday. And in it, she admits in writing, in writing, she admits that the jabs don't appear to work in stopping the spread of Omicron. But of course, she is still attempting to force all of you to get them anyway in the state of New York. So you have to love that, okay? Even in that state, Joe Biden is underwater. I've never seen anything like that. Well, maybe because he's not doing it like New York or Trudeau. Honestly, that's what we don't know. Well, some of those states, that's probably true. All right, and and those two states clearly that are into uh, sub, you know a, a, a subjugation fetish, right? Yes. All right. I mean, they 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 clearly want to be bound and gagged yes. before they're pleasured. Yes. So in those states, it might be that he's not Soviet enough. I agree. They want to see, you know, they want to see, you know, kind of a uh, young, dumb, and full of ty- tyranny. Uh, uh, Justin Trudeau ver- variation, boy king, imposing his will on them, you know, 50 shades of tyrant, right? So I would agree that in some of those states, it's just they expected to see more. I agree. But in a lot of these other states, I, I think that's probably not the case. Fair? Oh, agreed. Yeah. But I, I, I would agree I just that- didn't want us to go, spring is here! Yeah, let's. it's not springtime for Hitler, Mel. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Okay, let's not do that. Okay. <laughs> um, but but th- there are some st- of these states that would like a little bit more Adolf in their coffee <laughs> yes. in the morning. Yes. Okay. So, but I've never seen anything like that. I mean, I, I, would, I would venture when Reagan won every state other than Minnesota in 84, that Walter Mondale's personal approval was probably- at 50 or above 50 in most of those states. It wasn't that he was like a hated individual. It was just like, why would we change horses when things are going great and go back to the policies that you wanted us to do in the 70s that clearly didn't work, right? I've just never seen anything like this. And if you're going to go with the narrative, and I want to get you guys' comment on this, if you're going to go with the narrative still, if we're still running with the, this was the most popular presidential candidate of all time and got over 80 million votes. If you're still rolling with that one, okay, then don't you then have to turn around though and admit, therefore, this is the fastest and, and, and most systemic collapse of presidential approval in history. He has barely been in office for a year. So if it's true that he got 81 million legitimate votes and is the most, therefore the most popular presidential candidate in terms of sheer volume in American history, then for this level of systemic decline, isn't this the worst and quickest collapse by a president in American history? Thoughts? Uh, Without question. I I don't even know what you would compare it to at the end of a uh, two, three, four years, uh, you know, obviously people of uh, great potential, uh, our own, uh, Iowa's own um, Hoover comes to mind. Right. But l- listen. I at- think Nixon's got to 24% approval 
was the lowest ever recorded in the Gallup poll. I think George W. Bush left office just above that at like 26 or 28. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but those would be that those were collapses over the course in Bush's term, uh, over the course of eight years, and in Herbert Hoover's term, over the course of an entire presidential term. Not something you know this that metastasized this cataclysmically this fast. But this is this is the hangover when both parties are on benders like they are. Uh, what is it that uh, Michael Caine said about uh, the Joker? He, they gave themselves over to a man they didn't fully understand in The Dark Knight. Do you remember that line? I mean, both parties ultimately did that. Uh, and you talked about uh, uh, Trump uh, just yesterday, but the party didn't fully know what it was getting into with that, nor nor did the country for good or for bad. And then the t- the reaction back to biden not fully clearly not fully understanding if what happens when you put a dementia patient uh who is not his own man anymore and was kind of loopy uh when he was his own man there there, there's no way that we weren't going to end up here because the puppet masters wanted it to get here i just want to channel something that todd said a few weeks ago in reaction to the cbs or cbs i think it was a cbs focus group of five voters who unanimously said uh something to the effect that they disapprove of the job that joe biden is doing what, what's the reason why all these states disapprove of the job that he's doing new york california is it because they don't like it that he didn't actually follow through with a national vaccine mandate is it because they uh, there are enough people out there that think that uh, people like us should be put in you know in, in work camps and prison camps? What's the reason for the disapproval? And we're living in a day and age right now where you could look at it from both directions. Either it's they they're disapproving it for the reasons that we would prefer they disapprove of it, or the reasons that we would not prefer that they you know disapprove of of his presidency so far. I will so, say though. With numbers this overbearing and overwhelming, some something something's not something is not right. I, I I have a hard time believing that there are enough people overall in this country who uh, who fit into that uh, kind of um, overstated overstated category that I just uh, laid out. Um, this is a unanimous or close to unanimous verdict after one year mm-hmm. on what they're on what they're seeing uh whether or not it's the reasons that we would prefer i guess the, there should be these numbers should show some level even if spring's not here introspection like with nick christoph remember did for a couple days after trump and he like wasn't nick, alone there were lots of yeah, many yeah. people that did after 2016 but for that, like 10 minutes that's the thing we're not we're seeing cover-ups now to the crimes on every level both uh, with you know from covid and everything yeah. are we seeing the introspection from everybody that should go with these numbers so let's let's that's a great question and the answer of course is no but let's because you addressed the point of both parties being on a bender yeah all right if you look at some of these states I mean, some of his approval rating in some of these red states is like in the teens, if I remember right. Aaron, I don't have the chart in front of me, but... Let me put it up for All right, let, let, let's put this back up if we can. Like, I think I saw one of the states, his approval rating, I think it was Montana or Idaho or Wyoming, one of those western frontier states, his approval rating was at 
wonder if I have it on my Facebook page so I can look it up here. Was it 19%? All right, so, so here it is. I've got it in front of me. All right, here's his approval rating in some of these states. Let's just look at the red states. Let's just look at red states, all right? Alabama, 24%. Alaska, 28%. Arkansas, 24%. Let me stop right there with Arkansas. Actually, let's go to Alabama and Arkansas. I guess we can throw Alaska in there. Were, there not, were, were not there Republican senators on that list of yeah. people who have signed on to continue funding what is the most unpopular? At this point, we have to, it, it's, it's arguable, this is the most unpopular or, or, and worst presidency in modern American history. We don't really have, you know, we didn't have, so. and you got to go into the polling and social media and 24-hour news cycle era. I mean, if we had if we had this going on, if we had social media and cable news during Watergate, I mean, where this was just being driven 24 hours a day everywhere you went, I mean, Nixon probably would have resigned a hell of a lot sooner than August of 74. Fair? Mm -hmm. Okay. But we didn't have those things then. All right. So I think you've got to look at how how having those those constant narrative movers at work. And there, and so modern times now isn't even the seventies, eighties, or even the nineties. I think you got to go back maybe just in the last fifteen years. Okay, fair. Yep. All right. So the advent of social media and cable news is is is, is approaching now. It's zenith. It's summit. So just we got to go back to just like the last fifteen years, latter half of the Bush era, George W. Bush era, to yep. where we are now. Yep. Okay. We've never had anything as unpopular as what's going on right now. I mean, just just never. Um, we had a we had a policy that was unpopular that was largely driving Bush's unpopularity. Well, two of them, Iraq and TARP. Right? Those are, that TARP is still the single most unpopular piece of legislation I've ever seen polled in my career. Right? Then both of those things hit him at the exact same time, and it destabilized his presidency. But there was but prior to those singular events, there was never a point in time that he had anything close to these kinds of numbers, or anybody else did, for that matter. We've never seen anything like this. And so here's my question. We just started with those three states in the, in the A's. Why, why, why is Tommy Tuberville and Richard Shelby in Alabama voting to fund this government when, when by the way, defunding it is, is, what is it, like 18 or 21% is actually all that gets defunded of the government if they, if they don't actually, mm-hmm. put, they, the government doesn't really shut down, guys. It's just like, you know, a, a nascent percentage of it does uh, from a funding standpoint. Why are they voting? What, what, what's, what, why wouldn't you use all your maximum political calculus with these kinds of numbers to go as boldly as you could to finish to finish your opponent, basically, to demonstrate their weakness. Why is Tom Cotton, of all people, voting? Why is he not on board with this in Arkansas? Ask Why? Ditch. Huh? Ask Ditch. Yeah, I, I mean, I get Alaska because y'all can't get rid of Lisa Murkowski for some odd reason. All right, but looking at more of these states, 24%, and it is Mike Crapo, by the way. Um, Whether or not that's how it's pronounced, that's how it's pronounced. Yeah, but but why why in Idaho, man, 24% approval. Why aren't, why aren't you guys seeing the Repu- Republicans in your state and in Washington engaged in maximum pushback against this? Maximum. Um, continuing on, Indiana, 27%. There was an Indiana senator, Todd Young, I believe, was on that list at the end, right? Kansas, 27%. Why are your Kansas senators? I mean, we could just go right on down the line here. All right. Let's look at South Carolina, where you had both of your senators there, Lindsey Graham and Tim Scott, 29% approval. 29%. 
Wyoming, 19% approval. There's the Western Frontier State. West Virginia, Shelley Capito was on that list, if I recall, correct? Yep. 17% approval for Biden in West Virginia. Why is Shelley Capito handing him a blank check? Hey, just continue absolutely just, you know, sodomizing my constituents by all means. Yes. Why? They don't view this as an opportunity to govern. They view this as an opportunity to play it safe so they can get reelected. Return to normal. Don't rock the boat. They're the, they're clearly the bad guys right now. So it's the safety dance. I agree. That's a, That's absolutely correct. But I think we have learned from a Canadian trucker convoy. Tell me more. That this isn't about them. And it never really has been. That this is really about us. Take it from someone who spent, I mentioned I'm going into my third decade in this business. I, I spent one of at least one of those decades meticulously preening over primaries and examining them, you know, uh, at, 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 a, at a granular pinpoint subatomic level. Oh, I remember. Okay. And because I thought if we got, if, if we dominated that process, you know, we, and we got the exact right people in office, things would change. And I, I mean, I, I spent time in my life. I'll never get back doing that. Very rarely won any of those. Very rarely. And so, why is that? We get the government we deserve. We get the tyranny we deserve. And and this idea of just sitting around and passively waiting for superhero candidates, that doesn't mean just, like, don't take part in the primary process at all. That's not what it means. What it means is, we're never, ever going to be able to have a majority of good people, righteous people in office. Why? Because this side of, of you know, east of Eden, we're never going to have a majority of righteous people. So then how do we make this work? How do we make this work? Elections are not won by winning a majority of the vote. Elections and stuff are won by winning a majority of the people who show up to vote. Culture wars are won by the majority of the people who show up for them. The founding fathers didn't have a majority of colonial, uh, you know, liberty sentiment in the 13 colonies. They didn't even have a plurality. They just acted. They just acted. And that's what's gone on in Canada now for going on a third week. And they're forcing the boy king to show his hand. They're forcing him to do things that he's always wanted to do, mind you. And, and, and your, your spirit of the agers here in this country, if y'all didn't own guns, will do to you five seconds after you give, up the, give them up. So don't ever give them up. And as Aaron said on the show last week, every issue is now a Second Amendment issue. That's exactly right. But, but he doesn't want to have to do these things right now. He's, he, he's being cornered. He, he has no option in his mind. The first is to admit defeat. He won't do that. So he's going to go Nero instead. Now the problem is, 
you're seeing individual provinces in his own country are breaking away from from his own acts, which further destabilizes his government and will cause him to further now attempt to put boot to throat. But it's not helping his numbers at all. There's a lot of people that are being driven, driven, driven away by these kinds of tactics. And that's why you're seeing individual provinces now break away from his reign and his rule. Because they now feel they have the ability, the political capital to do that. Who moved the numbers? Did the, did the right person get elected head of the conservative party in Canada? Did they find their Ron DeSantis? Did Ron DeSantis and Ted Cruz have a baby with some Rand Paul DNA thrown in? And that person just, they did a time jump, you know, on the, on the sitcom and now he's of age and he became head of the conservative party. Is that what happened there? No, no, they're driving the bus here, despite the fact they've, they've turned all their trucks off. They're the ones actually, they're, they're, the convoy's not moving, but they're the ones driving the bus. They're moving the agenda. The system is responding to them. The system will respond to us too. The reality is, if you live in Arkansas and you're not beating down his phone, you're the reason Tom Cotton is, has not supported this yet. Not Tom Cotton, you. We are. This is about us, okay? So let's find out what happens when we realize that. If you like a good snack throughout the day, but you'd rather not break your discipline when doing so, I've got great news for you. Check out one of our favorite partners here on the show, Built Bar. It is the absolute greatest protein bar of all time. Don't believe it? Try it yourself because you'll end up agreeing with me. Every single one of them covered in real chocolate, loaded with flavor, but not loaded with carbs, calories, or sugars. You won't believe that a protein bar can be this good, not have that chalky aftertaste, Actually, in terms of taste, rivals a lot of candy bars out there. So many great flavors to choose from as well. Uh, if you want to give it a shot or you want to go back for another shot and another one after that, uh, as is the case with me, uh, go to built.com, B-U-I-L-T. That's the website for Built Bar. Use my last name, Dace, as your promo code, D-E-A-C-E for Dace, and uh, you'll get 15% off when you go or you go back again and again. And again, at built.com, B-U-I-L-T for Built Bar, built.com, promo code DACE. So I've, I've, I'm aware of, uh, of our, our guest's candidacy for Congress, or at least I was, I, I was aware of it before a couple of weeks ago, and I just happened to pay attention enough to see that he had built quite a bit of grassroots support. And then a couple of weeks ago, out of absolutely nowhere, I saw Donald Trump enter into this particular primary with an endorsement from someone whose social media feeds are, um, forget anything, but MAGA. I mean, how about, you know, uh, anything but um, left? And so I was like, well, that's kind of interesting. It'll be interesting to me to see how Trump's base responds to this. And this may end up being an in-kind contribution to our guest today, 
because the amount of attention and support that I saw his candidacy get from much of Trump's base uh, in response to this uh, even raised his profile all the more. He joins us now on the show. Robbie Starbuck is here with us. He's a congressional candidate in Tennessee. Robbie, it's good to have you with us, man. How are you? I'm doing great. It's great to be here. I'm actually a big fan of the show and a couple of my best friends watch your show all the time. So I appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. That's very kind. Tell us about the district in Tennessee you're running in. So this district, you know, it's it's brand new. Essentially, it had been a Democrat district over 132 years. But now we're at this new point with this new district where it is favored for a Republican to win by 16 points. So it carries in a lot of the southern uh, parts of Tennessee. So it goes all the way to Murray County, to Marshall County, Lewis County, and goes all the way over and up to Wilson County and includes Williamson and uh, parts of Davidson. So it's a much more conservative county now. And it's a place where America First really is the type of policy message people want. So you got into this race how long ago? I mean, you've been working this district for a while now, right? Yeah, I've been in for a year. I got in when this was hard. I mean, we looked at it and said, yeah, it's possible they redistrict, but even if they don't, we're looking at a a huge wave here in this next cycle, and people are more upset with Jim Cooper than they ever have been because of the COVID policies he's adopted and his embrace of the far left. And so we said, you know what? We can do this in this district or a new district, but we're going to go after it. And that's exactly what we did. And like you said, we've built up a grassroots that I haven't seen replicated anywhere else in the country country in in this cycle, but it's something that I think is truly special. And it speaks for why there was such a backlash when President Trump, you know, made the decision he made. Did you know that was coming? Did you expect, I would assume at some point you guys solicited his endorsements yourselves, right? So did you have any idea that basically he was going to bring in a a carpetbagger candidate? Didn't she just move to your district within the last calendar year, I believe, correct? She moved here three three months ago. She registered to vote. Um, so you know, and that's it's actually not even entirely three months ago. It's almost three months ago she registered to vote. So yeah, it's you know, it was a shock to us to be perfectly honest because um, we did believe that we were on the right track to receive the endorsement of President Trump. I believe we did everything you know to earn it. But you know, at the same time, I, I've been an unwavering supporter of President Trump, and he's human. He makes mistakes. This was a mistake, and I think the base has made that very clear. Um, I think people, you know, within President Trump's own, you know, inner circle have made that very clear that this was not the right choice, but it is something we're able to overcome. And I think that the backlash has kind of spoken for itself in terms of who the MAGA candidate, who the America First candidate in this race is. Do you think in the end this might end up in a strange way benefiting you? Because I, I definitely saw your coalition Uh, amplify its voice and dig in its heels in response to this. And then I even saw, as you kind of referenced, some people that are um, very uninclined to be critical of of President Trump kind of break ranks here when it came uh, to this race in particular. So in some, this might end up being a blessing in disguise for you, man. In a weird way, you know, I, I, I guess it has been, in a very strange way. I mean, this is probably the weirdest circumstance we could have found ourselves in. So it's all kind of new and we're sifting our way through it. I mean, the big deal here is really, if we're being perfectly honest, this race is going to be a test of conservative populism versus corporate elitism. And that's essentially what's going to play out here is I'm sure my opponent's going to have a lot of corporate dollars. They're going to get the funding of, you know, all the big groups like BlackRock and Pfizer and all that stuff. And I'm going to have the grassroots. We're going to be knocking on doors. We're going to be doing the work on a daily 
daily basis going to more events than anybody else. So, you know, that's what the test here is going to be is what does our system actually go in and, you know, reward that hard work, the grassroots energy, the people, or is it going to be, you know, the case of you can buy an election? I believe in the people and I think that we're going to win at the end of the day. I think you're also a, uh, you've also demonstrated there is a, there's much more sophistication to Trump's base than is often portrayed. The idea that he is, you know, just sort of a cultic communist in the arena, putting his thumb up or thumb down, and then the masses in the uh, in the uh, in the stands just go with whatever he says. I mean, the fact that your your base responded, which is his base too, responded so strongly in resistance to this indicates that. There is more sophistication there. It really is more about the issues that Trump communicates more so than a particular personality. Your thoughts on that? You're exactly right. I mean, and this is something, this is an argument, actually, ironically, I've been making for a very long time that the media and the country in total who don't understand Republicans, the people who voted for Joe Biden, they've always had this idea that we're this, you know, sort of monolithic group of people who will just do whatever we're told. And it couldn't be further from the truth. I think when you get into it, it's that Trump has been so consistently on message with what the people wanted that you didn't see these fissures, you know, the, these breakouts sort of happen. But this was a situation where people saw the dedication that I, myself and my volunteers and my team have had to this race into the people of Tennessee. And they just know ideological purity and sort of mental toughness. And they know that we're an ideological campaign that I'm doing this for reasons that are divorced from the typical reasons that politicians go and run for office um, to pursue. And so, you know, it really did demonstrate that, that the supporters of the agenda are not necessarily this monolithic group. They're a group of people who are incredibly intelligent, incredibly nuanced, and they're going to go after what is best for the country at all times. And so, I mean, I've just been really blessed. Honestly, I've been thanking God ever since this happened, because at first, obviously, I was I was upset. And then I moved on to, wow, what is happening here? I've never seen anything like this. And then it blew up into something like none of us have ever seen. And so it has benefited us. And I think that the grassroots attention and the help and the donations is going to be what helps us, because that's really going to be our biggest you know, sort of divide in this race is they're going to raise more money than we do from cor corporatists and from you know all the PACs and everything. So we've got to sort of beat them when it comes to people. So tell us about you. Who's Robbie Starbuck and why are you doing this? Well, I think, you know, when we talk about the ideological motivations, it's because my family initially came here from Cuba. They had everything stolen from them by communists, everything they ever worked for, everything they ever loved. And that's what I grew up learning every day in my life is how did this happen? What were the warning signs? And so, you know, a little bit of a, a diversion, I ended up going and my dream was to be a director in Hollywood. I made it there. I directed Oscar winning actors, actresses, some of the biggest music stars in the world. But in 2015, I saw those warning signs for our country. And so I came out very vocally, endorsed President Trump, and I refused to shut up after that. Every company that we worked with tried to get me to and said, hey, it's not too late to walk this back. But I said, you know what? The biggest regret of Cuban refugees was not enough people standing up when they needed to. I'm going to stand up if it takes burning my career down, whatever it takes, I'm going to do it. And that's what I stuck to. And I married a woman from Texas. So um, I had no going back in the first place because I have to sleep next to her every night. So, you know, it was it was really sort of this um, slow process of falling in love with not just I already knew I was in love with America and with our values, but with the people of America all over the place that have been forgotten and realizing that they didn't have enough fighters. They didn't have champions and people who were willing to be burned down or stabbed in the back or the front or whatever it took to fight for them. And so I decided to say, you know what? 
I'm doing this. I'm going to go and I'm going to fight for them the way they deserve to be fought for and not represent the special interests that have come to be really dominant in our politics. What's the number one thing you're hearing on the ground when you campaign there in your district in Tennessee that would go against what a lot of us that work in the media might otherwise assume? Well, then I can throw out the first one. The first one is anger at the endorsement, but I've, 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 you know, I've tried to quell that and get everybody, you know, on the same page. But in terms of policy, you know, I would say, you know, it, media, I would separate from people like you because I feel like you would actually understand this. Things like school choice and things like immigration, immigration blow people's minds because we're not a border state, but that's actually our number one issue. OK, hmm. uh, people here in the state of Tennessee want control at the border. They want this mass illegal immigration to stop. It polls something like 23 percent higher than any other issue in terms of the number one issue for voters in our state. So we may not be a border state in terms of physicality, but we are a border state like every other state is under the Biden administration under Democrat reign, because these people, they they are sending people all over the country. In fact, when my wife organized the March to the Border earlier this year that Tucker Carlson followed, um, you know, we led that and it was vast, you know, majority Latinos. And what we saw from that was this incredible response all over the country from people saying that this has got to stop. And so that that's been an issue that we consistently get talked to about on, on the campaign trail. You mentioned a couple of key words there, immigration and Latino, because when you look at he's polling, the current president is polling worse with Latinos than any Democrat I can think of in my in my lifetime. And, you know, correlation, Robbie, does not always equal causation, but it is hard to ignore that as as this is anger over the border becomes more and more palpable. This also is happening, coinciding with that. And every GOP consultant has always said that if we don't allow open borders and amnesty, we can't ever get a significant portion of, of the Latino vote. So I don't know, maybe maybe these are two totally separate things. What's your view of that? My view is, is I feel like I have a responsibility as a Latino to speak up for our country and say that um, enough is enough. You know, we can't do this anymore. We've got to stop. We've got to shut things down at the border and we've got to take care of our country first. Um, you know, I think that the idea that you can't win with Latinos unless you go and grant amnesty to everybody is honestly kind of racist because it's it's sort of this idea that, you know, oh, we're so, you know, um, we're such adherence to our identity group that we're going to we're going to vote for whoever goes and gives citizenship and benefits to anybody who has the same background as us. I couldn't be further from the truth. Most Latinos want legal immigration. They do not want illegal immigration. They don't want us to give amnesty to people. In fact, what they really want is just core conservative values. They don't want to send their son to school and have their teacher tell them, well, actually, you know what, you could be you could be a girl tomorrow if you just decide you want to be. It's all these identity and social issues that with Latinos are incredibly frustrating. And that's what's going to drive people over to us. And I think we saw that in Virginia, schooling and school choice, all these issues, masks, you know, forced vaccination. This is the stuff that to Latino families, they're looking at and going, okay, you know what? We're willing to take a shot with somebody else. And the economy obviously is the, the cherry on top of all of it because they see he's destroying everything. And if there's one thing that every Latino can, you know, kind of agree on, it's hard work. And so that's that's what's leading to this shift. And we're gonna see the same thing here. In fact, my district has about 10% Latinos in it. And I predict we'll win at least 56% of that vote. Wow. What are the key dates coming up? When's your primary? 
August 4th is the primary, so we've got a ways to go. But, you know, anybody who wants to help volunteering from anywhere in the country, you can phone bank. If you're in district, door knock with us. That's uh, Starbuck2022.com. You can do that or make a donation. Uh, but that's huge for us. We're all about using the power of people to get this done and bring the win home for Tennesseans. One more time. What was that website again? Starbuck2022.com. Robbie, good luck to you, man. Thanks for joining us. All right. Take care. Thank you so much, Steve. You bet. Proud to know that you like the show. Thank you, man. So I'm fascinated with this race because of the dynamic that Robbie and I discussed at the beginning is, and, and we lived through this and we've talked about this before on a, on a personal level, you know, I mean, I remember coming in here the Monday after Trump extended the 15 days to 30 days to slow the spread. And I mean, I went into that weekend, me and a few others had used every leverage, every source we had. We were confident that Trump was going to come to his senses and end this thing we call lockdowns. And then, you know, I go, I come home from church Sunday. That Sunday, I start checking the headlines and I start seeing that Burks and Fauci and everybody are on every one of the Sunday morning shows. We can't do that yet. And the president knows that. And I'm like, oh no, what happened? It's one and, of the most memorable conversations I've ever had. And then had he comes out you. Monday and he's like 30 days to slow the spread. And I came in that Monday, guys. And I, I told you, you know this. I'm yeah. like, update your resumes. We are not long for this job because. I'm not going along with this garbage. This was, this has gone from a mistake to just, this is going to get evil real fast. And, and I assumed that a lot of our, our audience that is Trump's base, frankly, would then now turn on us and say, well, you couldn't know more than he does. And right. And, and it would be, I gotta, you know, that's my team. That's my quarterback kind of thing. And I said, Hey, and that may happen, but we're going down swinging. I'm just, I'm not giving up on this. And instead, we saw the exact opposite, that if we could prove we were right, that, I mean, our show just grew by like 300% that year. And a lot of it was, you know, a, a place for Trump's base to go to get information on what was really going on with the virus. So I'm fast, this primary, knowing, because I, I just have a hard time believing that Trump never had, no one in Trump's inner orbit knew who Robbie Starbuck was. This guy had already built a following within his base, okay? Particularly on a Twitter level, nationally. Yeah. And then you come off the top rope with somebody who just moved into this district and just registered to vote, who's a Jeb Bushy, who's got pictures of her and Biden at his inauguration and is calling for us to die, send you know our loved ones to die in Ukraine. I'm... I, this one, to me, I just think is a fascinating test case of who's, who's in charge here. Is the tail wagging the dog or not? And so this is a race, in my opinion, to keep an eye on. Thoughts? Well, to your point about he can't possibly know people in his orbit, uh, but uh, we're, we're reading that Atlas book right now. Yeah. Uh, I'm convinced Donald Trump cannot really grasp a lot of things that he should be grasping, nor his team. So... That's what I got. I mean, Seb Gorka is not one to break ranks with Donald Trump, right? He came out like the next day and said, yeah, this wasn't a good endorsement. And and, and, and uh, Mr. President Trump knows this. So this is a fascinating test of who's calling the shots here in MAGA world. We'll come back with more hour two, starting with fake news or not next.
Joined back here on the Steve Day Show, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace. He's Todd Erzin. He's Aaron McIntyre. Let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. Steve at SteveDace.com is how you can do exactly that uh, by email, or you can go to Facebook. Uh, look for Steve Dace on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor, and Gab. You can head over to Twitter and Getter looking for at Steve Dace Show. And you can look at clips of the show for free and also censorship free at rumble.com slash Steve Dace show as well. That's rumble.com slash Steve Dace show. This portion of the show is brought to you by our new friends over at MD hearing aids where the quality will exceed your expectations with MD hearing aids. You know, nine out of 10 people uh, still buy hearing aids from clinics and pay about five grand plus even though there are much more affordable options that are out there. That's why you got to check out MD Hearing Aid. It's an FDA-registered rechargeable hearing aid that costs a fraction of what typical hearing aids cost, and their model costs about 80% less, 80% less than clinic hearing aids that are out there. Hearing aids require clinic-level care for the best results. Clinic-level care comes from licensed hearing professionals, and MD Hearing Aids brings clinic-level care right to you via telemedicine from doctors and licensed hearing professionals all over the country. So if you want to try them out and find out why they have uh, and how they have brought affordable hearing to over 600,000 satisfied customers across the country plus they offer a 45-day risk-free trial 100% money back guarantee so you can buy with confidence when you go to mdhearingaid.com and use the promo code steve to get their buy one get one for $299.99 each $299.99 each by the way that's a lot cheaper than five grand folks all right mdhearingaid.com Promo code Steve. That's mdhearingaid.com, promo code Steve. Oh, plus they are adding a free extra charging case for $100 value just for our audience, right? So get the special deal and the free charging case as well. mdhearingaid.com, promo code Steve. All right, fake news or not. And for this week's fake news or not, I want us to delve for the first time here in this election cycle uh, let's do a deep dive on some 2022 midterm election year polling, because the first one from who has been the most accurate pollster now in the last two presidential elections, our friends over at Trafalgar, they have put out their very first deep dive on the 2022 midterm elections. Now, before we get to this, let me give you some historical baselines here. All right. So I went and looked these up earlier today. This is the final generic congressional ballot polling in recent midterm elections. All right. So in 2018, final congressional generic ballot polling had Democrats at plus 7.3 in parentheses is what the actual margin was nationally. All right. So it actually underestimated Democrat support by more than a full point. 2014. Remember, we're just looking at midterms. Okay, so 2014, the generic congressional ballot polling had Republicans plus 2.4. It was plus 5.7. And in that election, Republicans pulled off a nine seat swing in the U.S. Senate. Not easy to do. 2010, that was the the first Tea Party election. 
look at the generic ballot polling was Republican plus 9.4. It ended up being 6.8, still a pretty robust number. 2006, this was the Nancy Pelosi to Speaker election. Democrats were at plus 11.5 in the generic ballot final polling. It ended up being 7.9 nationwide. You can see that a lot of these misses, by the way, are outside the margin for error. That's one thing to note. Okay. Um, so if you give it like three to four points, you're or or you're close to outside the margin for error. 2002 Republicans plus 1.7. It was actually 4.6. And then you go down to 1994, final congressional ballot polling that I could find because we're pre now real clear politics polling average. ABC News, the day before the election, put out a poll. That's the that's the only one I could find that had Democrats plus five. And on election day, it ended up being Republicans plus 6.8. Just a bit Yikes. outside. Okay. So before we get to what Trafalgar's current numbers are, what are you guys' thoughts just on those historical benchmarks? And if they mean anything to you at all? Well, this is probably why you're you and I'm me, because if you can see a pattern in there, um, all the more power to you. I I don't see anything that I can rely on to help me do what I'm about to do here. Should I? Should How open-ended no, was the question. question? Should I? What you see is that with the exception of 1994, and so we're pre-real clear politics polling average, and in 1994, we're just picking one singular poll that turned out to be wrong. In the RCP polling average era, you can see that at least in terms of what the national outcome is, it's pretty accurate, even if it doesn't quite measure correctly the level of the intensity of that outcome, but that it has the it, it, it got the outcome right, just maybe missed on the intensity of it one way or the other. But yeah, yeah, in 2018 there is, I mean, you just got done talking earlier in the show about how far history goes back now. Mm-hmm. I, know, I know 2018 was in that number, but didn't, I mean, you just, you, not very long ago in this presidential race, you just kept throwing up your hands like, I got nothing, people. So I, I got nothing and this just does not help me. Okay. Aaron, does this say anything to you at all? I, I would say... You know, taking away what we know about our culture right now and and the uh, deep, deeply balkanized country that we live in, taking that away, I would just say on its face, when we reach the um, generic ballot margin of nine to 11 points in favor of one party, uh, go ahead and underestimate that number. When it's in the mid-range, like five to six points, with the exception of 94 uh, overestimate that, or even when we get down below five or six points, overestimate that a little bit more. But we just live in such a balkanized country right now. We could have a generic ballot of, let's say, and we're going to be talking about this in a little bit, so I don't want to give it away, but I, I'm just throwing it out there. Generic ballot plus 15. I'm not sure if we're ever going to see that come to fruition. Because there's just too many places that you Correct. can't win. And And right now, there's a lot of complaining within the Republican Party because they've outsourced redistricting fights to Carl Rove's outfit. Uh, who, they're still doing this. Yeah. They're still doing this. And and essentially what Rove's strategy is, is just not to fight redistricting in states like New York because it's pointless. The problem is you'll just let them draw themselves, 
you'll let them just take people like Elise Stefanico. I don't think it's, you know, necessarily any great shakes, but you'll just let them just completely, or Claudia Tenney, and just redistrict them completely out of seats. You know what I'm saying? If you if they're if they're unchallenged, mm-hmm. which goes to your point, Aaron, you'll just allow them to create too yeah. many places where you couldn't possibly win, regardless of what the national level of rancor is, right? Mm-hmm. So let's throw that up there one more time. So the highest we have is eleven point five. All right, that was in two thousand and six. Okay, here is what Trafalgar has right now. They have it at plus thirteen. GOP on the congressional on the generic congressional ballot plus 13 here's the other thing too to me the the number that I think speaks even bigger volumes than that is the very bottom number there those are the those are their undecideds ain't many of those nope ain't many of those which means in my opinion now we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna make an assumption here. If you guys will will okay it, we're going to assume that Trafalgar is at least within the realm of accuracy with this midterm polling, as they've shown in the last two presidential elections. So we're gonna give them some deference and benefit of the doubt, which is why I chose to use this to be the one to break down and not previous ones. But are you guys okay with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So because they've proven it, and until they prove otherwise, yes. we'll go with them. Okay. But. What, what, what would scare me about that, if I were a Democrat someplace outside of, you know, the, the polarized places we've talked about, like New York, California, et cetera, I, I, now I think you can get an idea why Democrat governors around the country are getting the jump on preempting the White House. Now, we can't wait till your speech March 1 or whenever you think you've got the all clear from the, the MSNBC primetime lineup. We we got to move. I mean, this these people are, f- are, are flipping entrenched, okay? And, and we have to give this economy a lot more time to rebound other than let's just do some kind of piecemeal. Hey, it's July 4th. The mask on the planes go. We got to, this has to stop. Right? I mean, we, we when there's when when you've got a 13 point deficit, and we are what eight and a half months from the election, and 3.7 percent of people are telling you they're undecided. Not see, not all 13 point deficits are the same. All right, I mean, one of the most famous examples comes from our childhood. Todd, we're coming out of the coming out of the Democratic convention, George H.W. Bush was trailing like by 17 points in the Gallup poll and then came back and won the election. All right. Not all, first of all, 13 point deficits are never good. They're never good. All right. That's never a good thing to have, but they are not all the same. A 13 point deficit with three and a half percent of people telling you, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still open to suggestion is a really bad 13-point deficit, okay? Like, you can be down by 13 points in a basketball game at the under-eight timeout in the first half. But but it's like you're down 22 to 9. And you know that a lot more points are going to be scored in the game, right? You don't want to be down 13 points then, but there's a lot of game to be played. You know that it's still going to take 60 to 70 points to win the basketball game. And so there's a lot of place for upward mobility. Fair? Mm-hmm. You don't want to be down... By 13, though, at the under four timeout at the end of the game. That's when you don't want to be down by 13, right? Okay. Most of the points in the game have already been scored. 
there's not too much time left in the game. For this many people to say they are entrenched already. I, I mean, that blows me away. So that's our first fake news or not question. Do you buy that number? If, 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 if things economically improve 30, 40, 50% between now and say Labor Day, is it still going to be GOP plus 13 with three and a half percent saying, yeah, I'm totally decided. Do you, to me, do you buy that number? I would have said, I would have said no prior, obviously, to the last two weeks. Let me just briefly, you remember in the lead up, I think it was the lead up to this last election in November, Project Veritas had somebody go undercover in the Phil Murphy in, in New Jersey campaign. Yeah, and to I one forgot of the about campaign this. Managers yeah who said, uh, we can't do the vaccine mandate now because it's too unpopular, but once he, once he gets elected, then we'll, we'll, we'll do it then. He wins uh, just barely. He holds on for dear life. And now it's uh, January and February, and he's getting up there with a Republican governor and saying, yeah, 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 we're, we're going to do this. We're lifting the mask mandates too. Uh, that's called an about face. That's, called a, a, that's a mild term for it, but... You get what I'm saying. How do you go from uh, we're going to implement this uh, after the election, knowing that it's unpopular, to uh, let's get out of COVID, Stan, in the span of like three or four months? I think it's numbers like this. So I'm saying it's it's not fake news. Todd, what do you think? I'll say it's fake news. I, I just can't trust my fellow man. Uh, when it comes to certitude, we don't do certitude really well on anything. We're very flaky. We're very squishy. I, I just, I can th- imagine any number of things that would turn this 3% into a much higher number sooner rather than later. And it's funny. I wasn't going to say that when you started talking, but mm-hmm. by the time you ended talking, um, yeah, I just can't, I just can't buy it. Okay. So... There's astronomically high numbers. I don't buy it, by the way. I, I don't I think that we probably have more people's minds made up than we typically would in mid-February. Okay. Like I don't think it's like 20% of people are undecided. I don't think it's that. But do I think it's more than three? Yeah, I do. Okay. Um, it might even be 10. It might even be 13. But I think it's more than three. I do think we're more polarized than we typically would be. Um, and you see that play itself out in the in the state approval polling. I mean, he's just systemically unpopular. But given the squishy level that you or the level of squish that we are in our culture today, I think you have a point as well, Todd. So they've got a lot of issue priority polling. OK, this goes to what Robbie Starbuck was saying last hour. Ninety four percent. Number one issue for Republican voters according to Trafalgar, is the border. 94% believe that the southern border should be secured and illegal border crossers returned to their country of origin. That even outpolled um, growing concerns about growing aggression from China, which was the next most uh, um, prioritized issue at 92%. So immigration, number one issue for Republican voters in this midterm. Is that fake news or not? That it seems like it should be fake news. Not because, of course, we think it's vitally important, but 
I don't like here to for that uncertainty to be true in the previous um, example. You, you basically you'd rely on people, a lot of Republicans who uh, or or moderates. Uh, who really thought everything was great about Trump, but the only thing that they hated was Trump. But that was so important, hating him, that you had to throw him out. And now we're going to come back, which is makes my that, that that would have to happen. But that's impossible for people who think in definite terms. And here, I after everything we've gone through, I'm glad we haven't forgotten about the border. I just can't believe, and it's it's. It's at 63%. I can see it being the number one at a much lower number amongst a lot of other things competing with it. This this strikes me. 96%. That was the number one issue of, of priority. Was It was 96% of Republican voters agreeing with the statement that the southern border is their biggest concern. Oh, I was looking at the 67.3%. I apologize. Okay. Was, is, that the, is that voters overall? Like yeah. That's voters overall. Yeah. I was just talking about Republican voters. Got it. Go ahead. Yeah. I don't... Which, it, by the way, if 96% of Republican voters said that this was the number one affirmative issue for them, and only 67% of voters overall, you, know, you do the math on that. Mm-hmm. Ain't a lot of Democrat voters that are really concerned about the southern border is what that tells you. But anyway, yes. finish your point. Go ahead. I... If it's well, now we're talking 94 fake news. That's I I don't that seems impossible to me. Now, I will say this looking at what they didn't ask any questions as it related to COVID. So, so for those of you that are like, you know, where is the where's the COVID issues, the getting back to normal, shutting down masks and things of that nature? Um, I mean, I'm looking at the questions they asked. And yeah, that that wasn't one of the agenda questions that Trafalgar asked. So now knowing that, does that make you think, okay, if you take COVID off the table, I can absolutely say that immigration is the number one issue for Republican voters then? Not at that level. I mean, we just economy, uh, education. Uh, We're going to get to education in a minute. Okay. okay. I, Okay. This just seems like radically high relative to there's so many issues. Okay. Aaron, what do you think? Yeah. Um, it's a little odd they didn't ask about COVID, I guess. Um, it is odd. I agree. So I I don't know. That seems If they had, would have gotten, would have scored no more than 96% than immigration. Uh, even that's, that's going to be hard. That's just such a weirdly high number randomly. I guess you could say... I guess you could say if if the vast majority of Republicans voting this are in red states and red states, even so, you know, even if they're not as open as or have been as open as we'd like them to be, are more open than the rest of the country, then maybe COVID stuff is going to be lower down on your list of priorities. But still, they're masking kids in school. So it's just a weird, I'm going to say fake news, just okay. a weird overall. All right. So you mentioned education. This is what I want to discuss next. Um, 78% of Republicans said they believe parents should have a greater authority than teachers unions in directing their education policy in their local school districts. By the way, that ranks be, that that ranks the issue according to Trafalgar. They asked about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven issues in their poll. This issue actually rated seventh. All right. It rated below um, police departments. 
Um, it rated funding police departments and being tough on crime. By the way, I misspoke. That was actually number one. Ninety-six percent of Republicans said they wanted tougher crime policies. Ninety-four percent said immigration. I misspoke on that. Okay. Could you believe ninety-six percent would say be tougher, tougher on crime? Yes. That'd be the number one issue. Okay. So that was number one. Ninety-four point two percent said fixing Biden's economy. Ninety-four percent, so slightly below that. Okay, mentioned the border. Ninety-two percent said growing uh, th- threats from aggression in China, or growing uh, threats of aggression from China. Eighty-six point nine percent said uh, a more um, robust energy policy and developing our own natural gas and oil. Eighty point six percent said stopping opioids like fentanyl from coming across the border. Uh, and then 77.8% said they believe parents should have greater authority than teachers unions in directing their education policy in their school districts. But on a national level, only 48% of voters believe parents should have greater authority than teachers unions in directing the education policy in their school districts. So 78% of Republicans believe this, but nationally only 48% do. Aaron, I'll go to you first on this one. Fake news or not that it didn't score higher in either category? Do you think that's about right? That's, what do you think? I think that's fake news, too. That's really hard to believe after after what we saw in Virginia last year. Seems like this is like the number one burgeoning new um, new frontier for Republicans and Republican voters. You know, being stuck at home with their kids for, for half of a year and seeing what they're actually being taught in school, so I'm I'm going to say fake news on that. It just flies in the face of of what we saw in Virginia uh, um, just last year. I mean, maybe maybe education and what went on in Loudoun County and things like that. Maybe that wasn't what drove Yunkin to to win there, but that seems awfully dubious to me. Todd, you know what? I'll I'll say true news based on my own experience in my own backyard. And Steve, it's the point you made about why uh, you think uh, that loss and others like it happened is that there's a a sense of it's not here yet in our backyard, and there's a lot of rural Americans who you know they they think their public schools are just fine and largely let they are, and they don't really feel the onslaught of the teachers union locally. Uh, they see it out there in DC and they know it's in the big cities, but that's for them city slickers and it's not here. And those places tend to be more GOP. I I think there's a lot of, man, I want to be with Aaron, but I think, I still think there's a lot of waking up that needs to be doing about the teachers union's plans to reach everywhere. And a lot of people just don't believe that can happen. I, I was disappointed, but not surprised by both numbers. Um, and I, I think a lot of it has to do with what you just articulated. Yes. I think these numbers are higher than they would have been like a year and a half ago. Correct. Yeah. But, you know, there's, can I add in something as well? Sure. Now that I'm thinking through this too, along the lines of what Todd said, what, what was one of our topics for the first few days after the Virginia election? People, uh, around here in our neck of the woods got their clocks cleaned in the, in the school board elections. Uh, I think that goes along with what Todd is is saying. So yeah, there are 
sections of the country, like what I was saying, like Virginia, that are that have fully woken up, but there are still lots of places, I guess, that that still need to. Final thing I want to bring up from this poll, and we got about five minutes here to discuss this one. Okay, eighty-two percent of voters preferring Republican candidates are confident that if Republicans win control of Congress, they will follow through on their promises to try to block or undo Biden's policies and agenda. 83%. Uh, 39.1 say they are very confident. 46.3 say they are somewhat confident. So that gets you to 83% of those preferring Republican candidates believe that they will follow through on what they're campaigning on. I hope fake news or not. I hope it's fake news. I hope it's fake news. So I'm just going to say fake news. I need it. I need it to be. Why do you need that to be fake news? Because I want, I want people to just be honest. I, I just want people to, this, this is probably the least red pilled response I have seen so far. Hmm. 83% confident that Republicans will actually push back against Biden's agenda. Have you not been awake for the last 20 years of Republican Party politics? Same. Do you think that we just might have different definitions of pushback? Um, yeah. Yeah. Is that, is, is, I mean, can we quantify what push, what do you think pushback yeah. means? Do you think it means like what my buddy Chip Roy is trying to do right now with trying to get Republicans to sign on? We're not going to fund a government that is trying to turn, you know, uh, Americans into lab rats over a jab that they admit actually isn't a vaccine and doesn't doesn't stop the spread of the virus. I mean, I, I mean, the, the governor of New York put out an emergency proclamation yesterday, guys. Put it in writing. Put it in writing that the jab doesn't seem to do anything to slow the spread of Omicron. And they still yesterday, the same day she did this, they fired over 1,400 medical workers for refusing to get these jabs. Okay? So, do you think it's that what, what people who want to vote Republican how most of them would define pushback is not how we would define pushback. That they would define pushback by Lindsey Graham's getting to the bottom of it again tonight on Sean Hannity. That's what they think pushback is. As opposed to what my buddy Chip Roy is trying to get Republicans to do. That we are the rhinos, I guess is what I'm asking. Are we the rhinos? What's the, yeah, what were you saying, Aaron? I'm sorry. Rhetorical versus actual. Yeah, yeah, the whole owning the libs versus actual policy, right? This is my great fear. This is what I mean when I say, uh, let's not return back to normal. Pushing back means let's, let's return to normal. I, I don't, I don't want to go there because that doesn't do anything. And it just guarantees another loss and soon. You want to add any more to that, Aaron? Well, I, I, we can't get people like Tom Cotton. I think even Josh Hawley were on that list. Yeah. Just sign your name to this letter. Like even people like Tim Scott and Lindsey Graham from South Carolina or John Cornyn, I believe he was on that list as well. 
Just sign the just sign the letter and then stab stab your base in the back later when it actually comes down to nut cutting time. How hard is this? They can't even <laughs> eat the chicken sandwich. Yeah. Good analogy. So then we to me there then you have an option here. You can we have three options. One, just keep doing what we're doing. I think we know how that where that one goes, right? The second is to um raise about two billion dollars minimum uh in order to over the next two to three election cycles prune the tree through the primary process as much as possible because I mean that's what it's gonna take to outspend all these people. The third is um Trucker Glock who wants it. That's the third option. Okay. The third option is we're all trucker convoys now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And we're just not tolerating this anymore. And we are here and on your doorstep, uh, Senator Hawley and Senator Cotton, to let you know, here in uh, in Springfield and St. Louis and in, and in um, you know Fayetteville and in Little Rock, uh, you won't be voting that way. Just want to make that real clear to you. You won't be funding this government. Now- that That's my third jersey. option is the it, to me is the only one I believe we have time for. Yes, frankly, so it's just a matter of whether we have the balls for it. But it's the only one of the three I think we have any time for. We'll come back, Pop Culture Tuesday next. Still get tons of requests for information on how to get help with treatment for COVID. Make sure you remember this website, mygotodoc.com. Mygotodoc.com. Say that 10 times fast. Mygotodoc.com. I got it in once. All right. Uh, That is where you're going to find Dr. Saeed Hader. He has treated thousands upon thousands of COVID patients. It's all he does now. He turned his entire medical practice into just treatment for COVID-19. So questions you now have, hey, do I still want to use my, you know, uh, protocol, prophylaxis, uh, you know, into perpetuity? Keep it going for how long? Is it still the same ivermectin cocktail for Omicron? Or is it more hydroxy? Or is it something else? Get all these questions and more answered when you go to mygotodoc.com. Also, uh, in addition to giving you personalized care for early treatment for COVID-19, they can connect you with pharmacies across the country that will do prescription fulfillment of those life-saving drugs that maybe your pharmacist where you live will not oblige, all right? So mygotodoc.com is where you want to go. You can register for free, ask questions there forever mygotodoc.com. So let's get to Pop Culture Tuesday, where we look at the intersection between pop culture and conservatism. And let's take a look at Super Bowl 56 and some of the storylines coming out of there. I want to share first this email from Tara Schaefer. Uh, She says, um, Super Bowl Sunday, we were within the first 500 people entering the gates that morning. There were signs and announcement to have your vax card or a negative test result ready. I didn't know they were accepting that. Did you guys know that? No. No. Okay. My dad was the last... Let's pause there for a second. If negative test result within, say, 72 hours alongside a vax pass had been something they had advocated this entire time, 
Meaning it wasn't just a vax pass. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But they had also said, or a negative test within 72 hours, given how available rapid testing is everywhere now. Would that have, would that have altered some degree of the backlash to this? Because I think the answer to that is yes. Probably, but it shouldn't. Now that's a different debate. But that the the Biden OSHA thing was test or vax. True, but I, but I think that the way that that was done is you that was constantly your cost. Correct. Yes, Correct. and that employees and so that's why they're I think charging you. That's different because you're being charged to go to work. You don't have to go to the Super Bowl. You're making that or or a concert. You're making that oh, decision. You're, you're talking. Oh, okay. You're, I'm talking, talking about, about voluntary s- events specifically yes. to the Super. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. I understand. Um. My dad was the last person in line to go through the check for VAX status. I was next. When a man came through and said, we're done checking VAX cards, everyone is good to go in. He then cleared out all the workers who were instructed to check VAX records. That was before 1145 local, so that would be 145 our time, so that's almost four hours before the game starts. They never checked the negative test results or the VAX cards from then on out. I never got the chance to show them my negative test result that I was required to do in order to watch my team play. You were asked to put on a mask as we walked into the game in which everyone took them off immediately after crossing through the gate and no one, literally no one wore them the rest of the night. It wasn't just the celebrities. No one was wearing them. Every single one of us in attendance were not wearing these, she said. Thoughts on that? Thank you for the note, Tara, by the way. I've uh, been... And cool, you got to go to a Super Bowl. I've been at a couple uh, indoor track meets in the last month here in the... Uh, Midwest, but they're still a performative because they're on college campuses kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And there's a sign on the wall, and that's and every and there's a box of like ones you can grab, but that's it. There's the nobody's wearing them, nobody cares. Uh, some you know th- this Super Bowl may very well be the sign that things are in fact going the direct the you know the uh, the off ramp. That you're talking about the psychological, less political, more psychological and just people like, yeah, I think we're getting into spring here and I've had just about enough. Yeah, that's not going to stop. There's still going to be pockets for I I don't know how long there's going to be pockets. I don't know if it's big pockets or not that are still going to have all those boxes of masks out there still going to require ridiculous testing and requirements of of things but yeah this this is the year that covid stan we're not going back to normal i mean we're not going back to fully normal but this is the year that covid stan in its most uh, obscene forms will be diminished i mean isn't the super bowl still like what do more eyeballs see collectively? It's the, mo- it's the most watched television event yep. in the in the world every year. Any, yeah. How long have we been talking about? How are people not seeing this or learning this? If even if not when we do a week later, but you know people have so many different pockets that they hide in and don't. But the, everybody, the closest thing to everybody sees the Super Bowl over mm-hmm. anybody else. So I think they'll just be like, wait a second, I just watched the Super Bowl. What you want me to be? Do what now with a mask or a pass or what? How about the fact that when the NFL stopped asymptomatic testing of jabbed and unjabbed, suddenly during right right in time for the playoffs to start, by the way, yeah. suddenly there weren't anybody sitting out yeah. uh, for jab protocols. Yeah, Did you that notice works. that? Yeah, funny how that kind of works, huh? Okay. So what'd you guys think of the event itself? I, I gotta tell you, I thought 
my own quick take. Overall, I thought it was underwhelming. I thought it was a very weak overall slate of commercials. Yes. Um, I, I mean, again, you just wonder, do they know who America is? Were there, I counted like six different electric car ads. You know, I mean, I, 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 when it was over, I just felt like filling my SUV up with gas and then just opening, letting it sit in the driveway and run idle for an entire full tank of $50 tank of gas just to you know, prove a point. All right. Um, I, I don't get what The Rock was wearing burgundy pants for. I mean, that was a questionable decision. Um, I didn't know who anybody was that sang any of the songs, like America the Beautiful or um, the National Anthem. I even asked my teenage son. He'd never heard of them either. Apparently, they've like won all kinds of Grammys. I didn't know who anybody was. They they sang something called the Black National Anthem just as I was tuning in. Well, that's a good start. But it, I think it's the song's title, I think, is a Lift Every Voice, I believe. But then why did they make them sing it outside the stadium? Okay, I didn't understand Seriously? that. Yeah. So they make them sing that outside because of a back of a bus wasn't available. Can you guys even virtue signal right? I mean, you guys are going to do this. Put them right there in the stadium, for goodness sakes. You make them do the Black National Anthem outside the stadium. All right? I, I couldn't get that, you know? And I don't, maybe next year we'll get a, you know... a a non-binary Asian national anthem. Um, I mean, I thought the game was played okay. You know, the, the uh, we got drama at the end, but to me, I just kind of thought it was, eh. You know, I, the, the event as a whole, not, none of the movie trailers really stuck. The Moon Knight one I thought was cool. The, that full Jurassic World um, trailer, by the way, guys, will f- knock your socks off. That full Jurassic Park for the new Jurassic mm-hmm. Park movie. Yeah, I mean, that full good. trailer. Well, they brought everybody and, and back. They, they, I love did, it. they did like a preview of the new Doctor Strange movie. Yeah, it it doesn't come close to doing the full trailer. That full trailer is friggin' bananas. Okay, but overall, I just kind of felt it was just kind of. Eh. Am I wrong? What do you What did you think? I liked the game better than you did. I thought it okay. was a, a, a. I mean, as football games can go, they can be. Uh, pretty weak sometimes. I thought I I enjoyed the game. I was pleasantly surprised at the halftime show that it it did yeah, not. I, I didn't watch a second of it. It did not veer into a lot. I of, saw a picture of Eminem taking a Colin Kaepernick knee yeah, though. I mean, it, but it was I, all like yeah, no. there. It, I mean, I they I was worried. You know, how many times are they going to have to bleep this thing out, and how depraved is it going to be? I I mean, I don't know. It. I heard from a lot of people who uh, appreciate uh, that music, that they thought it was fun. So, okay. I- See, the last halftime show I watched was like eight or nine years ago, and it was The Who. And you guys know I'm a big fan of The Who, and it, it just it crushed me to watch Daltrey go out there and literally croak singing songs he can't sing anymore. And so I've not watched a halftime show ever since. That was my tap out. Um, I will say the game itself was pretty fun. I don't understand what Los Angeles's offensive game plan was. Of course it does felt it does hurt uh when Odell Beckham Jr. gets injured. It looks like though even in the first half they came out with the same idea that the that the Bengals were just going to automatically play them the way that they played the Chiefs and drop eight in yeah. the coverage 30% and it's of the hot. time. Maybe we run the ball and wear them out. Yeah, yeah, but it just it wasn't working. Um fortunately you had Math- Matthew Stafford in a and a defense that finally got going uh, in the second half. 
Um, I will also say this because I think I lost on Twitter all of our Bengals fans listening because I had some pretty harsh words for them. I, I will say this, though, um, for those of you who do not require me to worship Joe Burrow as my Lord and Savior. Um, <laughs> because that's Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I will say that's a fun team to watch. Yeah. How many times, like even with Megatron and Stafford, how many times can you say uh, for a team that a good game plan is just sh- throw it up to one guy? That doesn't happen very often. If you get a good offensive line, you know, I think Burrow will last more than five or six seasons. I'm not joking. You're not going to be able to to have a quarterback or at least you're not going to be able to have him play at the level that he's played at uh, without a better offensive line. So... Uh, hats off to the Bengals for for eking it through and making it a great game. Um, as far as the rest of the event, yeah, the commercials. Now we missed like half the first half because we were putting Ben down to sleep uh, for bed, um, so we missed half the commercials. Uh, Moon Knight did look good. I th- I think Bella turned to me and said, "I thought that was a commercial for Batman." Actually, it looks because he's a rip off. Marvel's yeah. rip off of Batman. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the halftime show. I hate rap. I hate hip hop. But that was actually one of the most watchable halftime shows in uh, in recent memory. Now, I said watchable. I didn't say I liked it. I didn't say it was objectively good. I just said watchable for all the reasons that Todd just listed down. Um, there was uh, a lack of just grotesque obscenity, which I guess is our bar now <laughs> for halftime shows. <laughs> so it was the most watchable. Um, as far as the rest of the event goes... I. I don't know. We just, nothing really stood out as yeah. like, this is a great moment. Um, yeah. That's how I felt. I was that, like, meh. Yeah. Nothing s- stood out a ton. Um, I think that's my analysis. To me, the best moment my I thought analysis was, is, um, I thought the best moment, well, first of all, if you're the Bengals, man, you got Joe Mixon sitting back there and you have two downs with a yard to get a first yeah. down, maybe give him the ball once. What do you think? Just, I don't know. Let's see what happens. Okay. Or have him at least in the game. So they think you might give him the ball. Okay, that was the weird part. Instead of whatever whatever yeah. is Samaji P Ryan is, um, but I, my favorite moment was Aaron Donald after the game. Yeah, guy who had just completely dominated the end of the game, altered the outcome of the Super Bowl, you know, and just the humility he demonstrated there at the end, who who he gave credit to, acknowledging the opportunity. Um, I mean, I just dude, that that's a dude right there, man. He, 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 I mean, he like hit every key facet of the dude code in one like four minute post game interview. I thought there were a lot of. I mean, both quarterbacks got up from knee or yeah. ankle injuries. That if yeah. that's yep. We could see them visibly yeah. wince or visibly react if, to getting. If that's the hit. in the yeah. regular season, they may not be coming back. Yeah, I think you might uh, be right just about to that. be safe about that, especially especially Burrow. And I was worried it it was his other knee. Um, but I was worried that, you know, he just shredded the one he just got done healing from. Yeah. And then Cooper Cup, man. I mean, that guy just put the, he kept in, getting shots yeah. and he didn't get up right away. And, and that fourth down um, uh, play that they run to pick that up. I, I mean, there were just, there were guys on defense, both sides. I mean, people flying around. I mean, they were just like, let's, it looked like that's what it's supposed to be. There wasn't fear. There was just people were sensing opportunity. And let's put it all on the line and see what happens. I, I just kind of enjoyed that. Defense wins championships again, in my estimation. All right, I've got a question for you two. After I first wrap it up, though, 
by reminding you about our friends over at International Living. If you know, if you are looking for places to vacation or maybe even move uh, in Panama, you could uh, you could be about 10 times richer. Uh, they are a high income nation, not a dusty third world country. They use the U.S. dollar as its currency there. And that means every dollar that you'd bring with you to Panama could be worth 10 times more than it's worth right here. So whatever you've got in the bank right now, multiply that number by 10. And maybe that's got you thinking that you want to take advantage of getting a free copy of the American's Guide to Living and Retiring in Panama, along with four videos, all for free. And you can find out right now why this is one of the choice retirement destinations in America right now, Panama. Check it out right now. 100% free for all of you. Just head over to buypanamanow.com slash Steve to get your copy today at buypanamanow.com slash Steve. So I think we were talking about this before the show. I, I think all three of us agree because of the nature of their roster and the salary cap. This is not like a three to five year run for the Rams, right? And nope. and they know that. That's why they mortgaged everything because they've been trying to win one of these since 2017. And so they knew that they were coming up to a closed window too. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what is the more likely scenario? Because remember, Dan Marino made a Super Bowl in his second year too, and then never made it back. Right. Right. So what is the more likely scenario? The Rams run it back and win it again next year or that Joe Burrow never returns to the Super Bowl again given that he's in the conference right now with Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, right? And these guys are all young and just entering the primes of their careers. What's the more, Remember Cam Newton made it early with the Panthers. Never made it back, Okay. So what's the most likely scenario that the Rams run it back and win it again next year? Because they probably have enough under the cap to keep most of these guys, provided Aaron Donald doesn't retire, which he's talking See, about. That, that, I think that's... So let's say he comes yeah. back. Okay. All right. So let's say most of this roster, including Aaron Donald, is back. The Rams win it again next year, or Joe Burrow never gets back again. What's more likely? I think the Rams win it again next year. I think Aaron Donald coming back has... A bigger sway on that than uh, somebody like Matthew Stafford, even. I agree. That's a good question, and it's. I just he's he just got done with his second year, Burrow. I. But who would have thought? Marino said an all time the forty eight touchdown passes. No one had even come close to that. I know. Never got back. Well, trust me. Here in Aaron Rodgers' land, I mean, who would have thought eleven years ago that he wouldn't have gone back since then? No, I I get it. And it's close, but I think I'll go Rams. Okay. It'll be interesting to watch. Yeah. All right, we are back at it again tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck here on Blaze TV. Coming up next, though, we're going to record for our subscribers a little overtime that'll be available later today at blazetv.com slash days. For the rest of you, have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.